0: This week on the Rotten or Righteous podcast, we ask the question Where do you keep your kale?
1: Uh, I'm sorry, he called off today.
0: Welcome back to Rotten or Righteous, the only podcast that is hosted by three dirty fish slappers. With
1: me today...
2: <laughs> Hold up.
1: <laughs> That's good. That's Have good. Have anybody with a fish? No, but I really I've want to you now.
2: <laughs> this would be the place to do it. I can just go grab a fish out of the ocean and smack somebody. I think I'm going to try I, that today.
1: I want to slap somebody with a fish, with a chicken leg, a turkey leg, and a turkey wing now.
2: I feel like the fish would be the most satisfying, though. Depends on how floppy the fish. Oh, I is. know.
1: No, I disagree.
0: I want a good frozen fish. I want like a, a good what? A, a fifty-pound frozen halibut. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's
0: just as that well. Be, have a
2: baseball bat. <laughs> that would be battery and assault. That would, no, it wouldn't, that would because no it's because be it's a, a, a fish,
0: and when it melts, it'll go away. It's a perfect murder weapon.
2: Interesting. It'll be mm-hmm. floppy again.
0: I'm getting fish and icicles confused again. I promised my shrink I wouldn't do that again. It's... Well, listen, first there's no way that fish could have killed him. With me today is Luke Taylor, who was a very clumsy kid. And on the 12th day of 12th grade, I'll tell you what he did. <laughs> he walked into financial aid and fell and broke a bone. They showed him all his bills, and he got a great big college
2: loan. <laughs> I avoided that by going to community college.
3: Along
0: with Luke Taylor, digestion (laughs) runs very deep in his family.
1: Scott Judge. (laughs) What runs very deep in my family? (laughs) Digestion. Digestion. Oh, digestion. I thought you said congestion. That too. Hey, and did you hear there's a recent study actually that says diarrhea is hereditary? Seems, what? Yeah, diarrhea is hereditary. It seems to be running in the genes.
0: <laughs> Ten minutes in, and I have not gotten through the first
1: three lines. All right, I'll shut up.
0: This movie begins. Oh, I'm sorry, I should probably tell you what
1: movie we're watching.
0: Uh, this week, what year is it? 2001? Yeah. This week we watched the. Blah, 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 blah. This week, <laughs> we, this week we watched the <laughs> 2001 children's animated film Jonah, a VeggieTales movie. The movie begins with Bob the Tomato driving down a rural road, trying to find the ever elusive Route 59. The other passengers in the car are Dad and Junior Asparagus, a baby carrot named, and a baby carrot named Laura. You see, Laura won a backstage pass to meet Twippo, and while the others will get to go and see the concert, only Laura gets to meet him, and it's a fact that she rubs in Junior's face. Poor Bob is trying to drive and navigate uh, the map alone as Dad, Laura, and Junior uh, are singing some of Twippo's. Greatest Hits. Dad is also the guitar... the, The feller that plays the guitar. And he is accidentally bashing Bob's brains in with the neck of his instrument. Bob is understandably irritated as he's driving down a rural road looking for the road that will take them to the concert venue. And distracted, the tomato doesn't see a family of porcupines crossing the road. But don't you worry... That mama porcupine was apparently a sniper in the Porcupine Marine Corps, and she winds up and fires several quills that puncture the two front tires of the van carrying our vegetable friends. Bob swerves off the road and narrowly misses hitting a tree and a house, but he does hit a rather large pair of underpants hanging on a clothesline. This was actually helpful. As the car was heading straight towards a river, but the clothesline stopped them from diving into the water just in time. I have a lot of questions so far.
2: Yes, sir. Physics, you know.
0: Well, it's not even that. I don't care about the physics. I'm trying to figure out, in the, in the VeggieTales world, last time we did The Pirates Don't Do Anything, um, we already discussed that they are telepathic. They're able to manipulate matter with their minds. Which is the only explanation to how they're able to hold things and play things like the guitar without hands. Or drive, or hold a map, or anything. It's so
1: frustrating. Uh, I mean, why give them eyes and lips and no hands or feet? Well, You can't talk without eyes or
0: without lips. You can talk without you're, eyes. You're
2: correct. <laughs> I feel like this was an animation decision.
0: Well, of course it was. The more appendages you have, <laughs> the more difficult it is to narrate. But no, I, I, it's go. fine. I'll accept the fact that these sentient vegetables have telepathy. I'll accept that. My problem is, do they live in the same world as people? No. Do people, exa- But then why do those underpants have two leg holes? There's not a single vegetable that we've seen. That has two legs. And on top of that, you have the caterpillar that comes into play. They're not all vegetables because you have the cat or worm.
1: Okay, well, well what if they ran through a clothesline that was at a house of a cojoined twin asparagus in which that's what they wore? That's an
2: astute observation. No, like um, but... The this is vegetables. like out in the rural areas, you know, and those vegetables are sometimes a little inbred. But so no, I but that's not. That, like...
0: that, that, but the underpants were so big that it fit. It, it encompassed the entire front of their vehicle.
1: It was a Meaning, big asparagus.
0: If you're a vegetable and you run into human boxers, that's the size that they were going to be. I think that they live ever... in the human world. I think that all you vegetarians out there are doing it to try to save the animals. You are killing
1: sentient vegetable life. I'm telling you right now, if you start living a life in which vegetables are talking to you, there's some things that you've been doing that you really, really need to stop. Like drugs. (laughs) (laughs) In case you didn't know. (laughs) <laughs> my maters start talking to me i got some other things going on
0: so anyways they're stopped before they get in tossed into this river but in the chaos laura's backstage pass flies out the window and this is a fact that junior just delights in because in his mind laura is getting what she deserves for being a braggart
1: yeah there's no love your neighbor as yourself in these scenes
0: As they get out of the car, Bob is immediately sniped uh, by another porcupine quill as an angry mama porcupine nods approvingly at her son, who is uh, aiming his behind at the tomato from behind a
2: log. (laughs) I just looked it up. Porcupines cannot shoot their quills.
0: I know, but it's still a a fun trope. Okay, that's your problem? That's where you're going to draw your line of disbelief? We've been talking for 20 minutes about uh, <laughs> sentient tomatoes talking and playing guitar. You never once said, I just looked it up. Tomatoes can't play guitar.
2: Uh, you know, <sighs> no, because they, they tried to tie in the real world and that porcupine's a lie.
0: Yeah, you know what? Caterpillars can't talk and Ninevites didn't really slap people with fish.
2: Uh, you Hold know, up. You we don't know that.
0: So they were they may land... have. They were a landlocked culture. That'd be some salty, dry fish they were hitting each other with.
2: They speared people and stuck them on sticks. Yeah, exactly. I would not be surprised.
0: I'm just happy that that didn't make it into this kid's movie. You just have a bunch of shish (laughs) kebabs lining the gates of Nineveh.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I would have appreciated that.
0: (laughs) That would actually have been pretty funny. (laughs) Then Junior notices that in the distance there's a building with a large neon sign that says seafood which the gang assumes is like tofu but saltier turns out they were <laughs> wrong as a neon d illuminates the sky and they realize they're standing in front of a seafood restaurant the group enters the building and everyone is talking over one another dad is apologetic for beating bob with his guitar and But the concussed tomato isn't ready to hear his apologies and vows never to take another trip with the asparagus. Dad is even more sorry that they'll be late to the concert and will miss Twippo's Bald Bunny song. It's my favorite. Which he begins to sing, I'm a bald bunny, ain't got no fur. I'm a bald bunny, burr, burr, burr. I'm... (laughs) A bald bunny looking kind of silly. I'm a bald bunny feeling really chilly.
2: Have you ever seen a bald bear? There's a picture of a bald bear online. Any
0: bald animal is is terrible. It's terrible. Animals shouldn't be bald. It looks like a werewolf. So the next time you think. So I take it you don't like
1: the naked cat. No.
0: Why? No, not
2: really. Listen. Rather have a fluffy cat.
0: Kids, folks at home listening to this, next time that you get it into your mind that you think it'd be a fun afternoon to nare your dog, don't. It'll be terrifying for a long time. Laura, okay, so, yeah. Junior's happy that Laura's sad. Eventually, the French peas that run the joint gets the group's attention. They ask the veggies if they would like a table, and after noticing the quill protruding from Bob's derriere ask if they wanted to be seated in a poking or non-poking section which i truly appreciated that joke then i realized uh, that my son will never understand that joke but that was a funny joke <laughs> he
1: may he may someday i mean you know when he takes over the rotten or righteous kingdom and he's the one doing the narration and the heading everything up he may go back and take a look at some movies that old pop did
0: no i'm not saying that he won't watch the movie scott I'm saying that he's not going to understand that poking and non-poking, because there's no smoking sections anymore. (laughs) You just now got that (laughs) joke, didn't you? But he's a good student, Zach. What's he going to do? Open up his his encyclopedia and go, oh, it seems that in the late years of the 90s and early aughts, it seems (laughs) man could inhale carcinogens whilst enjoying gestation. Fascinating. (laughs) Now, all... Alas, I remember, I remember that movie that said poking and non-poking. I believe that that may be a pun, a pun on the smoking and non-smoking section. Ha ha, VeggieTales, ha ha.
2: (laughs) Apparently, uh, Zach's child is going to live in Britain and revert to King James English.
0: But Bob and Dad go looking for a phone to call for help, and Junior makes his way over to a booth. In the booth beside him, he can hear another party singing a song through the partition, separating the two tables, and he hears them saying, We are the pirates who don't do anything. But Junior is too busy reveling in Laura's misfortunate taste of divine justice to pay any attention to him. Instead, the young asparagus picks up the menu and gives it a once-over, and the restaurant has the cheapest prices I have ever seen for seafood. For example, steak and shrimp will only cost you ten bucks. Nice. No, not nice. If if you go to a f- seafood restaurant and you see that steak and shrimp only cost ten bucks, run away, run away. <laughs>
2: do not order that and hey, do not a, eat it. There's a, there's a Chinese food truck over here. They they're close and it's pretty good stuff. Well, you live on the ocean. I don't. You live cows. On don't the o- live in the ocean. Yeah, they do. Sea cows. Steak. Sea
1: cows?
2: (laughs) I haven't seen any of those yet.
1: They're manatees. That's what they're called, sea cows. So you have a Chinese truck in Guam that sells steak and shrimp for almost $10? Yeah, I mean, it's comparable. Well, but
0: um, at the same time, like I said, I'm not worried about the steak as much as I'm worried about the seafood. If you live further away from the islands and the oceans, the more expensive your seafood should be. Or you're about ready to get uh, a bad case of the vomits, of the regurgitations, the pukes, the barfs, the. Uh... Thank you, Scott. Uh, scampia on a skewer is only seven fifty, which is good. That's that's you no. Know. Uh, but scampia on a clean skewer is ten dollars. <laughs>
1: They have principle while compassion. I would have to
2: say that's, you know, that's a joke that like a little kid isn't going to get, but I appreciate it because it's like, there's some things in this movie that are like for a little bit of an older audience, you know, that they can appreciate. And I really thought this was going to be like a terrible, dreadful, horrible kids, you know, poorly written, poorly animated, just movie or whatever you call it. TV show. And uh, I was actually pleasantly surprised.
1: You've hooked him,
0: Zach. You've hooked him. I feel like SpongeBob right now in that episode where he gets Squidward to eat a Krabby Patty for the first time.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I
0: feel like going up to Luke. Like you like VeggieTales now, don't you, Luke?
2: I wouldn't say that I loved it, but but it was okay. It was
1: okay. I liked it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, I I, I like this. Go ahead. I mean, I don't. Wa- I, I didn't think that I was going to be blown away by this movie. It's not like that. It's just the more I watch it, the more I appreciate it. But we'll talk about that at the end. And then, uh, of course, Compassion is on sale there for market price. This last item seems a little weird to Junior. But before you can think about it, the partition opens up and one of the pirates says, Excuse me. Startled, Junior is now face-to-face with the infamous pirates who don't do anything. A trio of swashbuckling bilge rats made up of paw grape, Larry the Cucumber, and Mr. Lunt, the decorative Latin gourd. Apparently, that's according to their wiki. Don't ask me what that is. I really don't know. The pirates tell Junior that they overheard the young asparagus being mean to the baby carrot and suggests... That the prepubescent vegetable find some compassion and maybe some scampi. Junior <laughs> the sentences I have said right now. <laughs> the words you know, that are every, all three coming of should make out of my...
1: us <laughs> All three of us should make it a goal within the next week to go someplace and order order some scampi and compassion.
0: Uh, Junior asks what compassion is, to which Paul Grape says, Well, compassion is when you see someone that needs help, and you want to help them. Then they offer to tell Junior's story to help illustrate what compassion is, and Junior is interested. And so Paul begins, Before we start, kids, if you're at a restaurant and the partition next to your booth slides open and a bunch of strange men in pirate garb ask if you want to hear a story, the answer is no.
2: Are you kidding me? If any pirates ever ask me if I want to hear a story, I'm saying yes.
0: Yeah, you're an adult man. And? Which is fine. You you can hold your own against some
1: pirates. You know, I'm really kind of mixed on this because it's not like they ask you for candy if you want candy. And they're dressed as pirates. I'm, I'm not going to... No, I, I it, it, it seems fairly obvious
0: to me that in today's day and age... You're 2021. If a pirate comes up to you and be like, are you wanting to hear a story? You
2: run the other way. Zach's <laughs> always giving out this parenting and like children advice on this show. And I just disagree with all of it. And I love that the only person that does disagree with
0: it is the only one on this show that does not have children. Uh, maybe. Or I a job. Some
2: children somewhere. You don't have children or a job.
1: <laughs> well, you had to go there.
2: I feel like, yeah, I feel like that was slightly irrelevant, but <laughs> <laughs> he tossed it in for good measure.
1: <laughs> you know, I, I you know, I know I'm know i 50, but if I had a pirate come up to me and say, do you want a story, matey? Oh, yeah, I do. Absolutely, <laughs> you No, know, <I> Scott, <laughs> I want you to commit and do your
0: best pirate.
1: <laughs> That's, I, that was it. That's a, no, come on,
0: come on.
2: You know what pirates sound like. Aye, aye, matey. That's just you saying aye, aye, matey. There's a Pirates Cove down here. It's uh it's like a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Jack's Pirate co- Jeff's Pirate Cove. And cuz uh, when I think pirates,
0: like... I think Jeff.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he had to work with what he was given. What's the
0: What's the best pirate name you can think of? RIB
2: Jeff. Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> what's a proper pirate name?
0: I don't know. Oh John's a good pirate name? Uh I don't know, it's basically just the cover- color of your beard. You gotta grow a beard whatever <laughs> color it turns out to be. Your red beard I I just got I over should, the flu and should now me names green
2: beard.
1: beard. Oh gross, so watch your beard. Do they tell stories down at Jeff's pirate Palooza?
2: They may, I don't know.
1: Oh, I'm really trash. I'm, the,
2: very pirate-y. I'm yeah. the dread pirate, Jeff.
1: Look out. <laughs> <laughs> you like, no, you're not. <laughs> Shut I up. you better listen to me. I'm going to take your booty.
0: What's your name, sir? Jeff. Get back on your ship. Just go away. I'm. <laughs> just I, just now, stop. Nobody named Jeff is going to pirate me out of anything. Go away. <laughs>
1: All I know is Jeff's eventually going to hear this podcast. There is going to be some uncomely things happen down in Kentucky. I am going to get that Zach guy. I, uh, I be, I be getting him,
0: <laughs> <laughs> or my name isn't Pirate Jeff.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Great Zach, look at you now! You are offending Pirate Jeff.
2: <sighs>
0: I can't get through one hey, week you know without offending somebody new. The good news is. This is the first time we've offended a pirate. Good. That's true. Okay. So these pirates uh, offer to tell Junior's story. And, uh, you know, he, Paul Grape starts out by saying, you know, we, we call ourselves the pirates don't do anything. But that's not entirely accurate. And Mr. Lunt chimes in and says, yeah, remember when we did that one thing with that one guy? And so the movie begins. Uh, We're taken back uh, to a marketplace of an ancient Israeli town. The pirates are sitting at the local snack bar where they're being cut off by the owner of the bar, Mr. Nezzer, for an unpaid tab. This really bums them out because that means they cannot buy any more Mr. Twisty's twisted cheese curls. And if they can't do that... Exactly. And if they can't do that, then they cannot find the golden ticket that is hidden in the packages and win the Mr. Twisty's Twisted Cheese Curl Sweepstakes. And that sweepstakes if they want it, it change their lives. Mr. Nuzzer suggests that the pirates get jobs so that they can afford to buy more snacks. But the only marketable skill they have are playing lawn darts, ping pong, and croquet. Which
1: <laughs> <coughs> are three very sk- admirable skills. Hey, do you suppose that's how pirates actually lose their eye? No, like actually. Long darts?
0: No, that's not uh, pirates. Most pirates that wore eye patches didn't lose an eye. They did it for um, they did it to have a tactical advantage. You see, when you would go and board a ship, you would start fighting on the deck of the ship, and then you would transition to under uh, uh, under the deck and in the cabins and whatnot, which is dark. And so, if you have an eye patch over one of your eyes. Then when you go into the dark place, you can switch it over, and then you can fight with night vision. One eye's already adjusted to the dark.
2: You I've heard that? that theory, and I just I just don't know. I mean, how long does it take your eyes to adjust to the dark? About five. No,
0: it takes like ten minutes for it to fully adjust.
1: Hold up. That's a legitimate theory? No, that's I, a yeah, legitimate. Yeah, it is.
0: Yeah. Wow. You think I'm just making stuff up over here? I, I did really I, yeah. Jeff told me that fact.
2: If you only have one eye, your depth perception is off, so you're gonna get stabbed aboard or above deck and you're gonna
1: make it to the bottom. I don't know. Well I know this. I'm gonna buy an eye patch so I can test your theory out. Now I just need to find a pirate ship. Anywho, short
0: on cash. An opportunity rides into town on the back of cam- or on the back of a camel. It was none other than Jonah, riding on the back of his trusty dromedary, Reginald. Reginald. The people of the town were in awe of being in the presence of a prophet. As Paul Grape narrates the scene, now Jonah was a prophet of God, which means he was one of the very special people God used to deliver messages to Israel. He was kind of like the mailman, except his letters came straight from God. We learn that Jonah loves his job, he loved bringing his people messages from the Almighty. Today, Jonah had a message of divine encouragement, which he read off of a scroll in a song, which was just, fill- I laughed throughout this entire song knowing, you know, a little bit of the Old Testament and and whatnot. There's a lot of nice little nods in there. Do not fight. Do not cheat. Wash your hands before you eat. There is nothing quite as sweet a message from the Lord. Be a friend. Say your prayers. Heaven loves a heart that cares. That is why I've come to share a message from the Lord. And if you follow God's commands, there'll be peace throughout the land. You'll live long and happy lives with your sheep, your kids, your wives. Don't eat pork. Don't eat bats. Don't eat beetles, flies, or gnats. Stay away from all of that. A message from the Lord. And as he sings that last line, he's beside three food stands named Leg of Pork, uh, Bat on a Stick, and Bug Burgers. And after hearing Jonah sing those things, they all quickly change their signs, and two of them turn into a bagel stand, and one starts selling Japa Java. Clever.
1: I enjoyed that. There's a lot of really witty stuff that's in there, and I appreciated the wash-your-hands, too. I mean, we think of the whole Pharisee thing when we get to the New Testament. I just, It was neat.
2: There were definitely some... Uh, they had a show that they had a little bit more of a surface level of the Old Testament understanding yeah. of it.
0: Well, do what's right, don't provoke, put four tassels on your cloak, do not laugh, it's not a joke, a message from the Lord... Then my favorite line in the whole song was uh, after Jonah goes, don't do drugs, stay in school. A town person says, this is quite a lot of rules. (laughs) I I just got done studying Galatians and it made me laugh. I was like, oh, oh, oh." bet Paul put that in there from last week. Uh, (laughs) Then Jonah says, follow them and you're no fool, a message from the Lord. And again, I don't have a problem with any of those things he said in the song. It was pretty,
1: it was pretty good. Agreed. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed a lot of the music in here until the Tabernacle Choir showed up, but I digress.
2: Yeah, I mean, it wasn't uh, wasn't Broadway quality, but I was finding myself tapping my foot along with it. Uh,
0: that night in his tent, Jonah is satisfied after a long day of being God's musical prophet. That's when Jonah receives a message from the Lord. Again, Jonah then learns that there's a group of people being unkind, lying, and stealing. You know, your standard turn-and-repent job. And Jonah is ready to take on the task when he learns where he's being sent. Nineveh. I like that, too, when he's going, Oh, no! Unkind, lying, stealing? Sounds like a a turn-and-repent. Sounds like a turn-and-repent to me, like he's, like he's a, a car mechanic. Just standard operating procedure. Yeah, it's just, just, just your regular everyday turn-and-repent. Um, he's being sent to Nineveh, and then Paul Grape tells us Nineveh wasn't in Israel at all. It was the capital of Assyria, and it was the biggest, meanest city around. Now, the people of Nineveh were particularly mean to Jonah's people, the Israelites. They lied, they stole, but worst of all... They slapped people with fishes. They even slapped each other with fishes. They didn't know the difference between right and wrong. The Ninevites were so mean, in fact, that most Israelites, including Jonah, wished God would just wipe Nineveh off the face of the earth. Needless to say, Jonah was shocked that God would want him to deliver a message there. As a matter of fact, Jonah assumes that God had made a mistake and decides that he will not go to that awful fish-slapping place. I like that, too. I mean, you're in a kid's movie, you can't you can't go and be like, here's what we learned historically of all the horrors that Nineveh uh, committed over the years. <laughs> I mean, I, I appreciated what they did here. I like the yeah. parallels they were using for a lot of the more grislier details they could have put
1: in. But back in the restaurant, that famous song that was made by that famous Ninevite singer, which I'll let you come up with the name, is slapping you with a fish is wrong. I don't want to be right. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was Chucky and the Ninevites.
0: <laughs> I think it was. I think it was Pirate
1: Jeff and the Pirates. There you go. It was pirate Jeff and the Ninevites. (laughs) Oh, sorry, Zach. I know, I know. I'm back on focus. (laughs) There we
0: have it, folks. Scott's one stupid comment that I allow left left in the final cut. No, no. Congratulations, Scott.
1: Hey, all of us, if we had a chance to slap some of the fish, we would do it. That's not the argument. The argument
0: is, you trying to make, never mind. Yes, okay. Back in the restaurant, we see that Laura and Bob have joined Junior. Paul Grape explains that God wanted to offer Moisey to the Ninevites. I loved how he said that. And God wanted to offer Moisey to the Ninevites. And Laura asks, What is mercy? And Mr. Lunt tells her that mercy is what Joan is about. But then Junior Pipes says, Well, hold on a second. You told me just a few minutes ago that it was about compassion. Remember the menu? And Paul's like, Shut your little asparagus face and look at the menu again. And sure enough, right below compassion, magically, mercy is also offered at market price. Then Larry the Cucumber explains to the Pirates' growing audience that compassion is when you want to help someone who needs help, and mercy is when you give someone a second chance, even if they don't deserve it. This is a story about both of them. And Paul adds that you cannot have mercy without compassion, but mercy is even more important. Jonah was afraid that God would give Nineveh a second chance that he was going to help them even though they didn't deserve it, and Jonah didn't want to be a part of that. Then back to the story to that little Israeli town. Jonah hurries from his tent to book passage on a ship going far away from Nineveh. He decided that he wants to go to Tarshish, which is in modern-day Spain, pretty much on the other side of the known world back then. However, only one group of sailors were... so strapped for cash that they were willing to sail that far pirate jeff that's who it was but then jonas i'm not sailing with a pirate named jeff that is just ridiculous (laughs) (laughs) no the pirates of course are the pirates who don't do anything so he hires them and after they set sail jonah goes below deck to take a little little rest And that's when he meets another stowaway, a half-worm, half-caterpillar named Khalil. And we learn that Khalil is a traveling salesman who peddles, really, two types of products. Persian rugs and Jonah merchandise. (laughs) Jonah plush. A message from the Lord! (laughs) I want a Jonah plush. I want a Jonah asparagus plush. I'm sure you can probably buy one online. Uh, I can only hope. Uh, The little catterworm is so excited to meet the famous man of God, but his enthusiasm makes Jonah's guilt from running away from the Lord just grow worse and worse. Jonah doesn't tell Khalil why he is going to Tarshish, so the salesman assumes that Jonah is going on a trip to Tarshish to rescue a girl from Nineveh. A beautiful asparagus who's waiting for Jonah. Jonah doesn't acknowledge him, and so the worm continues. You were promised to be married, but your, your job is now in the way, and the woman's father is the head of an international <laughs> ring of camel thieves. This very day, you set sail for Tarshish to deliver a message that will break the back of the camel thieves, but in the process, will break the heart of the woman you love. And Jonah's a good story. just left dumbstruck by the abject wrongness of this assumption. <laughs> but Khalil just beams, confident he got it right, and says, it's okay. Insight runs very deep in my family. Uh, don't worry. First one's free. Jonah, tired of the silliness, turns over and goes back to sleep. The produce prophet is awoken a little while later by a panicked pog rape. A storm is threatening to capsize the ship. And the pirates ask Jonia... Or Jonia. Jonia. And the pirates ask... Jonia is Jeff, pirate Jeff's wife. It's pirate Jeff and Jonia. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, he asked Jonah to pray to his god for safety. Then Pa Grape calls Larry, Mr. Lunt, Jonah, and Khalil together... Uh, around this card table. Paul Grape explains, the way I see it, there's a reason for this storm. Somebody up there is really upset with somebody down here. And it's not going to let up until we know who that somebody is. Could be any one of us. But we won't know for sure until we figure it out scientifically. All right, men, go fish. Loser takes a swim. (laughs) And this begins the most intense go fish montage I am sure I will ever see (laughs) in my life
1: or ever want to see in your life
0: cards are flying matches are being made until only Khalil and Jonah are left holding cards and Khalil ends up having two matches four whales which means Jonah lost the match which by the way you're writing a kids movie again this is genius for casting lots this is a yeah, good. This is a genius comparison to teach kids the idea of casting lots. Go Fish is the ultimate game of chance, and casting lots is chance, except when God is involved. It was a very, it was very good. Scott, I feel like you disagree. Right on deck in the middle of the storm. Well, they cast lots in the middle of the storm. Yep. Do you, do you disagree with this? You you, you seem like this bugged well, no. you. No, no. I agree with you 100%. You're thinking about Pirate Jeff and Joni, aren't you?
1: I am. And the Ninevites who sang the song, if slapping, with you a, with me, <laughs> if slapping you with a fish is wrong, I don't want to be right.
0: So, yeah, Jonah lost the match, and to his credit, Jonah admits right away that the storm was his fault, saying, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land, and I'm running away from him. He told me to go to Nineveh, but I didn't listen. You know, I, I just don't like those people, to which Mr. Lunt responds, Ooh, fish slappers. <laughs> 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 and with that, Jonah resigns himself to be thrown into the sea. But good old Larry the Cucumber comes over and comforts the asparagus, saying, Oh, you don't have to be thrown into the sea. We got a plank, you can just walk off. <laughs> I like that. That was uh,
1: was pretty cool. (sighs)
0: Before Jonah takes a fateful leap, Mr. Lunt shouts and says that he has a different idea. It turns out Mr. Lunt's cousin from Moose Lake asks the Gord to watch his Jupiter 1600 horsepower high-octane dual-propeller pole-ignition outboard motor with the optional chrome-trim package every winter. He just doesn't know how the thing works. But maybe they can use it to outrun the storm. The motor's just in a stand in the middle of the deck when Khalil says that <laughs> technical competency runs in his family. So the caterworm hops on and fires up the engine, which immediately catches some of the wood and just zooms right off the ship and into the water. And so Jonah's back on the plank. And I loved that entire... <laughs> that, that entire moment, I was like, ah, oh, this could get stupid. But then at the end of it, I was like, you know what? I appreciate that. They were like, because they, because I keep, I've read the book of Jonah after I watched this movie and I kept seeing the parallels of what they're trying to do here. They don't want to toss Jonah in in the Bible story. They're trying to come up with different solutions to tossing Jonah in, in this stupid animated movie that stars vegetables. And I, 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 I appreciate how faithful they were to telling the story of Jonah for kids. It, it, it really did. It impressed me. But, uh, yeah. You're right, Zach. Well, thanks, Scott. How do you think, Luke? <laughs> well, I think that I'm super bored right now, and I wish I had some gravel what? to munch on. Oh, okay, Luke. No,
2: I, I have an opinion on this, but I'm like, ah, I think I need to save this to the end of my rating.
0: Okay, that's fine. I can cut that out. Um, so... <laughs> I So, Joan is back on the plank. This time with a rubber ducky floaty around his waist and the pirates pray to God for protection from the storm as Jonah takes his jump. Immediately the storm stops and it turns into a beautiful sunny day. Jonah is left bobbing in the water and the pirates decide to use the ship's life preserver to pull him back in. Larry tosses the ring which lands perfectly over Jonah but before they can pull the asparagus to safety a giant whale emerges from the deep and swallows Jonah whole the pirates soon a very giant whale i mean not really when you think of how small an asparagus is but uh,
2: that might be true
0: the pirates soon realize that uh, they made a mistake cuz the ship is now attached to the whale via the rope tied to the life preserver <laughs> paw grape orders Because that didn't break paw grape orders the other two to man the cannon as they begin to shoot every lawn game that they have on the boat at the whale, because that's pretty much all they have on this boat are cheese <laughs> curls and lawn games. Uh, the first two <laughs> shots miss, but then they find a bowling ball, which Khalil was using for shelter following the embarrassing motor incident, and the ball is fired through the air as the whale does his best free willy impersonation and leaps out of the water, catching the ball in his open mouth. When he opens his mouth, the life preserver is freed and the ship is no longer attached to To the whale. Inside the whale, a depressed Jonah is sitting in the cavernous belly of the aquatic beast. When Khalil makes his presence known. The optimistic catterworm tries to cheer up Jonah. While also trying to think of how the two can get to Nineveh. Jonah tells the worm that it's hopeless. That they're just going to be digested. But Khalil says, don't you worry about that. He knows about digestion because digestion runs very deep in his family. Then he tells Jonah to stop looking at the whale as half empty and start seeing the whale as half full. When they both realize that that analogy was really dumb and didn't make any sense, (laughs) a bunch of green beans show up. It turns out that they are angels, and the angelic Harlem Tabernacle Choir sings a song about how God is giving Jonah a second chance. Scott, did you have something you wanted to say about the Harlem Green Bean Tabernacle Choir?
1: God, it just irritates me. Why? Why? Of all well, the because, things in this movie? Of all things, yeah. It was the Harlem... What but was why it, the did Green the, Bean Harlem why did,
0: why did that bug you so much? I really want to know because it did not bother me. I get what they were trying to do know. and how it's, they were trying to get I, it across. I think it's the
1: whole it's the whole instrumental thing that just irritates me. It was Old Testament.
0: That's true. They used harps and worship in the Old Testament. That's why I didn't have a problem with it. Tell an Old Testament story. Yeah. Here's something I, I've learned. The more music that is in a movie, the more my kid is going to listen to, and the more he's going to retain. He is singing songs back now that he's heard. He's memorizing songs and singing them. I don't care if he memorizes this song right here and sings it back, because it's true. It's all about God giving Jonah a second chance, which is exactly what happened in the book of Jonah. I, 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 I disagree that there was anything problematic with this scene. But maybe I'm wrong. Well, Zach, we can have a debate about it. it. Thanks, Scott. What, what did you think of of <laughs> that? Well, I didn't like it very much because uh, I was focusing on Jeff hey. the Pirate. Luke, what did you think? I think it was okay. Megan didn't like it, but she earns all the money, so I can't say anything against
2: it. <laughs> what did you think of it, Luke? I didn't have a problem with it. As I mentioned, Zach was talking over me while I was trying to give my opinion. Uh no, thought it was great. Green beans, always French style.
1: Never, always French style.
2: Never any other kind. I mean, why cut. would you French style?
0: I like the stringy green beans. Do you? Yeah, those are my favorite. to Sing gospel choir. <laughs> <laughs> oh shoot.
1: Um.
0: But back at the restaurant, we see that all the vegetables are giving Pa Grape and his story their full attention, and Paul tells his audience that from inside the whale, Jonah prayed and asked God to forgive him for not obeying. He told God that if he got another chance, he would go to Nineveh, even though he didn't like those people very much. And then three days later, that whale boips up Jonah, and
2: <laughs> he says boip,
0: <laughs> boips, he boips up oh, Jonah. Marcy. He wipes up Jonah and Khalil right on the dry land. God gave Jonah a second chance. On the shore, Jonah is immediately found by Reginald. And Jonah, Khalil, and the camel make their way to Nineveh. At the gate, Jonah is turned away by the guards and is about to give up. Because the guards just don't want him to come in because he's not from around here. And uh, then... He hears Paul Grape call to him. You see, the pirates used the money that Jonah paid them to buy 1,458 bags of Mr. Twisty's Twisted Cheese Curls. (laughs) And in bag number 497, they ended up winning the grand prize. And this prize included a couple of cheese curl-shaped hats and a tour of the Mr. Twisty's factory, which was right there in Nineveh. It also made the pirates local celebrities and they used their clout to get Jonah into the city. But as they pass through the gate, angry guards approach and arrest everyone for high theft against the royal city of Nineveh. Turns out while on the tour, Larry the Cucumber stuffed a handful of mini bags of Mr. Twisty's cheese curls into his satchel thinking they were free samples.
1: But they weren't. Hey man, when you got an addiction, you've got an addiction. <laughs>
0: So Jonah watches as his pirate friends get taken away, and when the prophet tries to resist, he is smacked with a fish so hard <laughs> that he passes out.
1: <laughs>
2: I like how they walk in and everyone's just smacking each other with fishes.
1: <laughs> I mean, again, has Joseph
0: liked it. seen this yet? No, I was planning on watching it with them tonight once we're done.
1: That's so cool, man. I'm going to love it when he like comes up and uh, smacks you in the face with a piece of Orton's breaded fish. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you hitting me with a filet, son?
2: I,
0: I, the, the only thing the kid eats right now is, uh, is uh, Vienna sausage, so I don't have to worry about that for a while. <laughs> Dude, that kid pounds great. like three cans of Vienna sausage by himself throughout the day. Yeah, <laughs> when he—I mean—he keeps them in like a little stacked pyramid. It's Just whenever he's playing, he gets bored. He just walks over, grabs one, shoves it in his gob, goes back to play for a little bit. When he's out of sausage, he's like, "Dad, Dad, hey, hey, Paul, Paul, hey, hey, Dad, Dad, out of sausage, get me some."
1: Hey, have you tried him on Spam yet?
0: No, because I love my con, my son.
1: Okay. Oh, you <laughs> so, yeah, so you so okay. you let
2: him be in <laughs> No, I haven't Don't tried him it. on spam. I'm a I'm a I'm, Christian. I'm pretty sure spam no one should start spam. It's like a terrible addiction. Like everyone it's eats spam. spam here and it's just terrible.
1: Your treat. Making some fried treat. No. What's what's treat? It's it's kinda like spam. Here's the crazy thing. Uh, you can buy
0: Gerber. Like bait my first sausages. Like they come in little glass jars. There's Vienna sausages in jars. They'll sell them those things for like two fifty a jar. Wow.
1: You can go get Hormel's for fifty cents. That's what I'm (laughs) saying. And you don't have to get plain when you can get what they got barbecue. I keep I keep I keep my son alive on a dollar fifty a day. A day. Oh, I'm boy. telling you it's coming. He's going to smack you with a fillet of fish. My favorite at thing some is form. is right
0: now Joseph is drinking what he calls rainbow milk. It's his new favorite thing in the world. Rainbow milk. Here's what rainbow milk okay. is. You put his milk in one of those plastic disposable toss and go sippy cups. He then goes and gets all the clean sippy cups out of the cupboard and then puts that full milk on top. So that way he has 16 cups of milk of all different colors stacked up and he drinks out of it. He calls that his rainbow milk. If he yep. if he drops it, I have to give it a kiss to make it feel better. You have to give him That's a weird
1: sausage, and he's fine.
0: Yeah, my son is odd. He's very weird. I gave him some hand sanitizer the other day. He rubbed it on his belly. I'm surprised, but
2: I'm not surprised at all.
0: Yeah, and then later on that night, he also grabbed a handful of hand sanitizer and licked it. And then he made faces <laughs> for like 15 <laughs> minutes because it was gross. And I'm like, yeah, you dummy, don't eat it. He's like, ugh, Dad. I'm like, I it wasn't food. I
1: didn't offer that to you next to thing eat. He knows. He's talking to tomatoes.
0: <laughs> okay, so Jonah gets the taste smacked out of his mouth with some fish, and he passes out. And he comes to in an arena, and he realizes that he, Khalil, and the pirates are tied to posts, and on top of each post is a massive and intimidating metal fish being held in place by rope. Turns out they have been sentenced to receive the dreaded slap of no return. (laughs) I think that's like how three different women broke
2: up with me. The dreaded slap of no return. Mm -hmm.
0: So they're tied up to this uh, slap of no return machine. Demonstrating what this slap is, a guard draws a face on an inanimate pumpkin and places it below a fish, or below the fish. Uh... And then he cuts the rope, and the fish falls down, and this just demolishes this autumnal gourd. It's terrifying. Uh, Pumpkin seeds go everywhere. First question, this, this, I have so many questions. First of all, are the vegetables immortal? Because the pirates who don't do anything were also the pirates that were with Jonah, and in the modern day, were the ones telling this story. Good question. Good question. Second of all, how can they have plant life, like a pumpkin, that is not animated to demonstrate what this fish
1: is going to do? I wondered that. I mean, why, why couldn't the pumpkin have some lips so he could talk?
0: Because then it would make it a lot sadder. A lot more
1: sad yeah. when the fish swung down. I mean, I know why he couldn't have arms and legs, because it would just be stupid.
0: <laughs> so, after watching this destruction of the pumpkin, Jonah and the pirates just start crying like babies. And I know that because Khalil asks, Why are you guys crying like babies? Because <laughs> <laughs> he's tied to Jonah's back uh. and can't see anything. And the prophet asks a legitimate question. Why in the world does Nineveh take snacks so seriously? And that's when the king of Nineveh enters the arena. A giant squash named King Twistimer, who's also known as Mr. Twisty, the mascot and owner
2: of the Cheese Curl Empire. But before the king... I don't believe that a squash could make something delicious, because squash is disgusting. Even the name. Squash. Shouldn't be
0: eaten. Thank you, Luke, for that astute assessment. Welcome. Before the king can give the official order of execution, Jonah asks for the right to say some last words, a request the king allows. Jonah explains that he cannot be guilty of stealing the snacks because when it happened, he was in a whale. This gets the king's attention because Jonah is clearly not dead. The prophet then explains that he was spared and given a second chance to give Nineveh a divine warning. And after a brief moment, Jonah remembers God's words to stop it! Stop cheating! Just stop it! Stop lying! And especially, stop slapping people with fishes! Or this entire city will be destroyed! A message from the Lord. Which reminded me of the best YouTube video that has ever been made in the entire world. I know Scott's seen it. Luke, you ever see that video of the honest uh, minister? No.
2: <laughs> he he gets up. Oh, <laughs> yes, 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 I have. <sighs> is that the, is that, it's like a real clip, right?
0: No. No, it's oh. a skit this guy's doing where he comes up with his Bible and he's like, today's lesson will be from.
2: Comes from the book of Proverbs. Oh. <sighs> <sighs> If I may digress for a moment from my prepared message, I mean it when I say to you,
3: you guys, sometimes you're bad, don't be jerks. You're supposed to be good.
0: I'm in my office every day and somebody comes in and they're like, hey, whoops, I don't! Dan, what is your deal? If anybody doesn't know, Dan is the worst. I took a vow to not say who was the worst, but it's Dan. You guys are making
3: me look bad in front of God. What's that? Oh, look, it's Jesus. And he said, stop it!
1: The word of the Lord.
0: The word of the Lord he just closes his Bible and walks away. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, just basically stop. And you know what? Jonah's words upset the king. And Twistermer orders everyone in the city to pray to God and give up their evil ways and their violence and throw away their fishes. And maybe God would give them a second chance. Then Jonah and the pirates are released, and Jonah is somber as he rides Reginald out of the city, away from the grateful Ninevites. Paul Grape tells us through narration, You see, Jonah figured God really wouldn't forgive the Ninevites. I mean, they had done some terrible stuff. No, Jonah figured God had something else in mind. So the prophet goes and finds a high vantage point overlooking the city and waits to watch the city be destroyed. But it doesn't happen. So Jonah keeps waiting. Or after a while of nothing happening, we see that God is still compassionate towards Jonah. And because it was a hot day, God causes a a leaf or a weed or a tree or a plant to grow from the ground and and shade Noah. But after more watching, just waiting for uh, uh, Nineveh to be destroyed, this plant suddenly just crashes to the ground. You see, Khalil got hungry and he ate the plant. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> well a small stem nonetheless
0: and this causes jonah to go into a melodramatic fit as he mourns the plant then khalil this little little cat or worm has just had enough of jonah's nonsense and he says would you look at yourself you care more about that weed than about all those people in nineveh why are you here now instead of back in the belly of the whale Because God is compassionate, He wanted to help you, and because He is merciful, He gave you a second chance. Has it ever occurred to you that maybe God loves everybody, not just you? That maybe He wants to give everyone a second chance? He saw that those people needed help, and they didn't know right from wrong, and He wanted to help them. And that's why He sent you. And when you told them what they were doing was wrong, they said they were sorry, They put down their mackerels and their halibuts. And they asked God for a second chance. And by golly, he gave them one. Don't you see? God wants everyone to have a second chance. And so should we. But Jonah isn't ready to admit that Khalil was right. And, And Jonah just continues to pout, and eventually whining, Well, if they get a second chance, those fish slappers, well then, it would be better if I were dead. Oh, I wish I were back in that whale. And this causes Khalil to just give up on the prophet. And as the catterworm turns to leave, he says, You're pathetic. You know, patience runs very deep in my family. But not that deep. (laughs) I'm out of here. I wanted to be big and important, just like you. The world doesn't need more people who are big and important. The world needs more people who are nice and compassionate. And merciful, that's what I want to be. You can find yourself a new traveling buddy. Goodbye. Oh. And the camel Reginald joins the leaving Khalil, leaving Jonah all alone. Back in the restaurant, Paul Grape declares the end and immediately shuts the divider. <laughs> and then Bob, confused, says, well, "Hold on a second. It's over." That's how it ends. And then from the other side of the divider, your grape just goes, yep. <laughs>
1: yep. <laughs> oh. Which I loved. I which laughed is, at that because that's... Which a, is not the first time that question has been asked and the same response has been given. Yep. Because even if... what we know. The
0: biblical account, it just ends just abruptly and sadly with yeah. no sort of resolution. Yeah. But Jun- Junior asks what Jonah learned. To which Mr. Lunt replied, The question, my friends, is not what did Jonah learn. The question is, what did you learn? And Junior said that he learned that he needs to help people who need help. And he needs to give second chances, even if people don't deserve them. And Bob and Junior realized that they weren't being very merciful or compassionate towards Laura and Dad Asparagus. And they both agreed to try harder. And that's for a feel-good moment. But then Dad breaks the feel-good moment by saying, you know, that that still wasn't a very good way to end a story. (laughs) (laughs) And the others agree, to which Paul Grape retorts, well, what do you want? A big musical number? And everyone agrees, yeah, that'd be great. Uh, Then suddenly, Twippo, who is actually Jonah the Asparagus dressed as Elvis, appears. He needs directions to find Route 59. He then hears that the vegetables are stranded and offers them a ride to the concert on his tour bus, and he gives them all a backstage pass. Then Twippo asks if they would like to hear a big musical number about Jonah, to which Dad Asparagus goes, "Is it anything like the bald, bald bunny?" Twippo says, "No, it's not." <laughs> But then he begins to belt out the lyrics anyway. He says, When I was a boy, I went to church back home in Arizona. And that was where I heard the tale of a man whose name was Jonah. Now, Jonah was a prophet, but that's not why he remembered. We tell the tale because in a whale, he was nearly dismembered. And that's when the pirates jump in and start singing, Jonah was a prophet. Go ahead, Scott. You're supposed to say, ooh, ooh. Oh, ooh, ooh. (laughs) but he never really got it. I forgot my line. Sad but true. If you've been watching, you can spot it. Doodly do. He did not get the point. Compassion or compassion and mercy from me to you and you to me. Exactly what God wants to see. And yes, that is the point. Then a small worm in a maintenance jumpsuit enters, with the name Khalil written on his name badge. And he says, I beg your pardon. I hate to break up the party, but who needed a toe? And everyone looks at Khalil and Twippo goes, Have we met? But Khalil just smiles at the camera, cut to black.
1: The end. Aw, Jonah was a prophet.
0: Before we give our rating, remember, we use a new system that we've been using since the beginning of this year called the Seps Scale or the Stinky Snake Scale. Basically, Seps is an acronym that uh, is made up of four categories, each worth 25 points. And the categories are Scriptural Accuracy, Entertainment Value, Parental Control and Should You Watch or Does It Have Any Merit? And we add up the four totals, which gives us a score out of 100. Then we average those scores together for the movie's final letter grade. Okay, so let's start with Scotty, my boy. Scriptural accuracy. Was the movie scripturally accurate?
1: Very, very scriptural. I really enjoyed this movie. I thought there was a lot of really good things. They were trying to portray with Jonah and his feelings, his anger against Nineveh, uh, and certainly him being on the ship, going overboard, Uh, In the Great Mammal, a lot of good stuff that they had there at the end. uh, His anger toward Nineveh, waiting for uh, God to come and destroy them. Um, I enjoyed it. I gave it a 23. Okay,
0: fair enough. Luke, would you mind telling us what you think about their scriptural accuracy?
2: scriptural accuracy. I struggled with this one because obviously they change things to make them more childish and under, you know, so kids can understand, but I didn't, didn't necessarily have a problem with that. Cause I thought like, as we discussed, they did it pretty well. And yeah, of course they add like weird, you know, funny bits to all the events. But like, if you're telling a kid's story, you kind of have to do that. And I felt like they were, you could definitely tell that they were being true to the biblical narrative. So, uh, I gave it a 20. Uh, I thought I thought they did a pretty good job just telling the Bible story in a way that's relatable to, to young people.
0: Right. And like I said, they hit every single major story point. Even the ones that I didn't think they were going to hit, like Jonah wishing he were dead after saving Nineveh, <laughs> they hit it. And they hit it in a way that, that was child-friendly and memorable. And the stuff that they added... It doesn't, it doesn't take away from the Bible, and it doesn't add to the Bible, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, obviously he wasn't on a pirate ship, or, you know, the pirate ship wasn't attached to a whale and things like that, but they added those things to make kids uh, interested, and plus they needed to have at least 80-plus minutes in order for it to be a feature film. And you're talking about a Bible story that's four short chapters long. So, of course, they had to add some set pieces and some fun in it, but ultimately, I think they did a very good job, and I gave it a 24 tale. Uh, I think as long as you're not taking away or changing the Bible story, which they don't, I think you're good. I mean, there's a reason why children Bibles exist, that make it... Children Bibles? Yeah, like, um, I-, I use one for my show called, uh, uh, it's by a woman named Sally Lloyd-Jones, and it's the Jesus Storybook Bible, and it goes through the major stories of the Old Testament. and the prophecies. I've heard of that. I've heard it's good. Yeah, and the prophecies of Jesus and how everything points towards Jesus. And yeah, they don't, you know, you're not going to hear about any tent pegs in that one or uh, Bummer. or cannibalism, but uh, they're easy to read and kids can understand them. I don't have a problem with that. What I have a problem with is, is if you're Showing this movie to your pre our middle school kids, and that's the only level that they're reaching. But I think for elementary mm-hmm. grade and younger, I think this is a wonderful, scripturally accurate tool. Which leads us to entertainment value.
1: Scott, were you entertained? I gave it a 25. I enjoyed it <laughs> <What>? from beginning <laughs> to end. I was entertained by every single second of it. Matter of <laughs> fact, I've watched this movie three times uh, since last week.
2: Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. I uh, I I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. I, like I said at the beginning, I thought it was gonna be like terrible, terrible writing. You know, just like some real cheap garbage kids, you know, mess. <laughs> And uh, it, it wasn't. And I enjoyed that there were s- definitely some uh, higher-level jokes and humor in it. And I, I did really enjoy it. I wouldn't say I was captivated by it. I probably could have walked away from it at most moments. but uh, So I, I gave it uh, an 18.
0: Okay. I, a little bit higher, but not quite as high as Scott, I, I gave it... <laughs> I gave it a twenty. It was a very quick movie. It didn't last too long, and never got boring. The jokes were always there, and even as an adult watching it by myself, uh, I, I didn't get bored. I I enjoyed it, so it was very good. Uh, which lead us to parental control. Scott, I assume you gave this a one because of all the vegetable nudity.
1: I did not even thought about that. Is there any parental control issues in this? I mean, I saw absolutely none. Did I miss something? No. Which would give it a 25. Yeah. Luke? I'm
2: going to give it a 25. I can't think of anything that was even remotely bad.
0: No, 25 across the board. I matter of fact, I'm going to go home and watch this movie with my son tonight. And I'm looking forward Vegetable
1: to him. Vegetable nudity. Looking forward to him. Veggie Tales is
2: about to... Like, hit number one on a rating scale here. I know.
0: I know. Which finally uh, brings us to should you watch. Is there some merit to this movie?
1: Scott. I gave it a 23. I mean, there's some people that I think would get absolutely no enjoyment out of this. But for the most part, it's a great movie. There's a lot of adults I would encourage to watch this. Not not. Season Christians, uh, but kids, uh, as you were talking about, elementary age, absolutely, they need to watch it.
2: Okay, Luke, I thought it was pretty good. I mean, I don't think an adult's going to go necessarily sit down. Some might, but you know, and and watch it. But uh, kids, for sure, I think it was it was pretty pretty solid. Give it a twenty-two.
0: All right, and you know, when I was watching this, like I did with a lot of children's entertainment. I think, okay, if I have a bunch of little kids in a church and we want to do fellowship, like family movie night or something like that, could I show this and not bore the parents to death and it's still appropriate for the kids? And the answer is yes. I was entertained enough by it, and I know that the kids would be entertained by it. And and it tells the story. It tells the story, and you walk out of there knowing the definition of mercy and compassion. That is Mm -hmm. awesome. And so, of course, this is such a good thing for kids to watch. So, yes, I gave it a 25. 91.66, Zach. Okay. Score of 92. All right. Well, there you have it. I gave it a 94. Luke gave it an 85, and Scott gave it a 96, which is averaged out to 92%, which means that this is our very first A+. And of wow. course, we use Carleton University's grading scale. Go, Ravens. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, what else would
2: we use? There is no higher standard.
0: I have a surprise for Luke. Oh I came across this. I'm not looking. For- no. Just wait. I came across this on Netflix the other day. I didn't watch it, but I put it away for a rainy day, and this rainy day has come. I thought, you know, Luke is a trooper. But there's only one thing that Luke loves enough to to bring up every chance he gets. And then I I came across this, this piece of media, and I was like, this is perfect for Luke. It's not biblical, but it's perfect for Luke. And so... This week or next week we are going to be reviewing the 2020 Netflix documentary titled My Octopus Teacher. <laughs> oh,
1: no.
3: <laughs>
2: My Octopus
0: Teacher. I have I have no idea what it's about other than that it was rated like G. <laughs>
1: Well, that's good.
0: And it has something to do with octopus pusses. So, let me uh, let me send you guys a trailer here. <laughs> oh my. Uh, for for those of you who want to know, according to Netflix YouTube account, the description is a filmmaker forges an unusual friendship with an octopus living in south in the South African kelp forest. Learning as the animal shares the mysteries of her world.
3: I need to go outside and actually find an octopus in the ocean. I, I haven't seen one yet. The day when it all started seeing this really strange thing. Whoa! A lot of people say that an octopus is like an alien. Whoa! But the strange thing is, as you get closer to them, you realize that you're very similar in a lot of ways. That's
0: what I think whenever oh, I play on the, the ground. There's
3: thing to explain, but sometimes you just get a feeling and you know there's something to this creature that's very that's unusual. Cool. There's something to learn here. I had to have a radical change in my life and the only way I knew to do it was to be in this ocean. But I really
0: that, hope this ends with him getting plastic surgery to get tentacles. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I
3: just went every day. That's the only way this is going to be successful. But we realize that there's a line that can't be crossed. Now we've got a shark. Aww that shark eat his octopus? You start yep. thinking about your own vulnerability. Worried about your family, or child. I hadn't been a person that was overly sentimental towards animals before. I realized I was changing. Cuttlefish! My relationship with people, with humans, was changing. What she taught me was... To feel I'm gonna that you cry part an octopus movie. Place, not a visit.
1: Luke, have you ever petted an That's octopus? That's a huge difference.
2: I don't think so. I'm about to go out in the ocean and find one and pet it right now.
0: You know, guys, I'm I am i i I do not regret picking this movie right now. It looks, I it looks a little
1: melancholy to be honest I, I,
0: I feel like next week I'm going to have to explain to my psyche uh, During one of our conversations Between me and my psyche um, Why it is that I am openly weeping At an octopus documentary um, Alright well there you go That's going to do it for us here At the Rotten Righteous Show I'm Zach Geiler
1: I'm Scott Judge I'm Luke Taylor <laughs> Real quick, one more question. If you could be a vegetable, what vegetable would you be?
3: Uh,
1: I would be a tomato.
0: You're going to talk about aren't one of those. Or what, what are the big ones called? The big, uh, are
1: not they called? Like... Yeah, I'm going to be a Mr. Stripey. I'm no, what's the, what's the big, no, the, the beef stripy. tomatoes. You'd be a beef tomato. I'd be a beef steak. Beef steak
0: tomato. <laughs> Scott is getting sandwiches and vegetables confused, which makes a
1: lot of sense.
0: I'd be a Philly cheesesteak uh, sandwich. That's a vegetable. I'd be.
1: Yeah, you've heard of the Mister Stripes, haven't you? No, Luke. Um. Oh yeah, they're delicious. What kind of vegetable would you be, Luke?
2: Anything but a pea. I definitely wouldn't be a pea. Uh, because those are disgusting. I think I would be a. Radish.
0: Those are grosser than peas. See, I really
1: thought you'd say a French-style green bean. Wee oui, wee. Oui. No. See, someone I would, would eat me.
0: I would be some kale. Gross. Yeah. Why? Because then the chances are, I want, I want to be kale in a Kentucky supermarket. Because then the chances <laughs> so are live almost zero that I would never be eaten.
1: <laughs> <laughs> do they even have kale in Kentucky supermarkets? No. Nah. <laughs> you go, you go to a supermarket, you like, uh, like, where's kale? Where do you keep your kale? Uh, I'm sorry, he called off today. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Remember, if you want to, send us an
0: email at, at gmail.com but you don't have to. Give us a rating on iTunes. That's more important. Uh, but before we go, remember... To pay your parents, say your prayers, and then uh, these are um, real people's names and professions. These aren't a joke; these are real. Sue you, lawyer. Mm-hmm. Gunner Stickler.
1: Gunner Stickler. Mm-hmm. Uh, tank driver. Pediatrician.
0: <laughs> Gunner Stickler Les McBurney
1: Les McBurney Wasn't he the uh, announcer on WK? He was a firefighter
0: Cincinnati? Larry Sprinkle <laughs> Real name of for a weather forecaster Paul Polis. Paul Polis, mm-hmm. He was St. Paul's police sergeant which I like that. Paul Paulus was St. Paul's police charge. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, Robin Mafood. Uh he was a thief. The CEO <laughs> of the charity Food for the Poor. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> God just irritates me. Why? Why? Of all well, the because. things in this movie? Of all things, yeah, it was the Harlem... But why, the did Green the, Bean Harlem why, did,
0: why did that bug you so much? I really want to know because it did not bother me. I get what they were trying to do know. and how it's, they were trying to get I, it. Across. I think it's the
1: whole it's the whole instrumental thing. It just irritates me. It was Old Testament.
0: That's true. They used harps and worship in the Old Testament. That's why I didn't have a problem with it. Tell an Old Testament story.
2: Is that why you have instruments at your church now?
0: <laughs> yeah, for when the green beans show up, they have something to play. That makes sense. But I'll be honest with you: every Sunday, I pour a can of green beans right on our piano.
1: Nothing. Nothing. It just gets wet. <laughs> they do nothing. It's it it soggy, and
0: they just sit there. Every Sunday. I do the
1: French style or the, Every uh...
0: Sunday, I come in and I brush off a moldy pile of green beans, thinking this is the week. This is the week. These fresh green beans are gonna are gonna play a little tune.
1: うん。